This is Birds of a Feather. I'm Christina Baldwin, vocalist for the Southern California band Ascent. And what is Birds of a Feather? Well, we are an indie music-focused show ripe with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Fascinating, fun features and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you. And my amazing co-host... Hi. Recipe Soup here. Okay, carry on. (laughs) Oh, shit. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Worm that I am, Carrie. <laughs> Try it again. Fuck. No, no. I, I introduced myself. They knew who I am. Professor P. Soup. Hey, what's up? Let's not belabor the point here. Let's go on. Aye, aye, aye. All right. So, first things first. Let's talk about the uh, virus in the room. COVID-19's impact on the music industry, both local and mainstream, has been nothing short of devastating, not only to, obviously, the music industry, but obviously also the world. So, let's talk a little bit about this, Professor. Let's talk a little bit about the virus in the room, COVID-19. Okay, go on. (laughs) You're supposed to talk, too. No. Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, COVID-19, you cannot see an... uh, it won't be anything we soon forget, and you cannot see a single advertisement, as our British fellows say, uh, without a mention of it. Uh, we're all in this together, COVID-19 this, stay safe, clean, healthy, and it, it really it just permeates everything, as it must, I suppose. Um, and uh, it's not something we're going to soon forget. i got to tell you, though, you're talking about the impact. Imagine all those artists out there, all those shows that were scheduled, those venues, and the people, everybody ancillary to that who uh, supports that, the live music scene, and the live motion picture scene and sports and all of those things in gymnasiums all of that stuff closed basically anything that's any damn fun you can get food but you can't sit down and eat it so what fucking good is it you know Uh, (laughs) true (laughs) true anything that's any fun all the cool social stuff it's just it's horrendous and of course that hits financially to uh, artists who we would happily have gone out and supported as we always exhort our audience to do but um and we're getting a lot of live streams and things like that from people's living rooms and photos from people's living rooms and you know uh sheltered in place and all that and quarantine and some people are going stir crazy over it uh and some people are practicing their instruments more but it's really hurting the artists who were working and doing that as a living for a living and um, there's, uh, we can support them as much as we can, but it's not easy to do. I mean, we could buy some of the records or whatever, but um, I can't wait till we get back out there and the scene comes to life again. Well, and I, I think it's important to mention, too, not only is there a financial hit, but there is really an emotional um, hit to everybody. There's a lot of people who are struggling with the, you know, the solitude and struggling with not being able to leave their house. And it's really, really starting to get to people emotionally. And um, it's also, you know, really messing with them mentally. So we really need to be kind to each other during this time and show each other support because people are really having trouble with being 
by themselves or not being able to do things they're used to doing. People get used to a routine and routine, there's comfort. And, uh, you know, you know what's going to happen. And day to day, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how much worse it's going to get. We don't know if we're going to get sick. We don't know if there's going to be things that we need when we go to the grocery store. It's a very tough time for people. So hopefully we show each other some kindness, not only in the music scene, but just in general, because this is a really scary time for people. This is the shit they make movies about later. You know, this is this is the kind of stuff we're going to um, be talking to, you know, children and grandchildren about later. You know, they're going to be talking about this till the end of time. The fact that this shut down the world for a while. Yeah. And as you said, the emotionally, the separation, there are people who can't be with their loved ones. Uh, and that's got to hurt. And, and, you know, bands are not meeting together. For example, we said so we have. Well, in your case, we have a scent. We have a live stream tomorrow. Is that not right? That's correct. Yeah. Tomorrow's our loud and live uh, so we're going to do that but tomorrow. That's not tomorrow, as it'll be yesterday from when we do the show, though. So when the show airs, <laughs> yeah. So, so that'll be after yesterday. But they, will they be able to look at it afterwards? They will. It'll be on the Ascent site um, for, on Facebook. It'll be on our personal Facebook pages and probably on Ascent Rocks if we can make that happen. Yeah, and I've, I've saw I saw your last one. It was great. I watched uh, Bad Marys, and it's usually households, people who live together that can even bother doing that, except solo artists. In Bad Marys' case, it was. Uh, Mike, the bass player, playing guitar, and Amanda singing. So we had like a just them doing Bad Mary tunes. That was nice. A scent in the living room was very nice. And um, so yeah, tune into that. It will have already happened by the time this airs. And you know something really poignant I saw this week, and you saw it too. I shared it with you on Instagram. Was um, Paul Stanley uh, shared on his Instagram that his father was a hundred years old and he couldn't. Uh, be with him because you know he might endanger him so but he showed him a picture of him with his father who turned 100 and I thought god that was so beautiful and it's too bad he can't be with him on his birthday you know but it is it's a very very yeah, scary time yeah but, but at least since we can uh, and we can be all uh, socially distant and everything and safe and still do the show so let's do it absolutely yeah and that moves us on to you restating our theme for this week well Tornado theme this week, Free Bird. Any kind of song, any genre, just basically no rules, no holds barred. Uh, We will play it, and we're going to find out what we came up with. Perfect, yeah. And there were, again, a lot of submissions. In fact, we even had one person submit 15 songs. So they were definitely not holding back, and we appreciate that. And we will announce, obviously, our new theme later on in the show, and we hope to receive an overwhelming number of submissions again. But let's go ahead and get into our songs, our top 10. Song number 10 actually was submitted by Hill Rant of uh, FMR fame. That's right. Yeah, Hill Rant, who is a huge supporter of indie artists, if he and so many of them, I think that's all he does, like all day. He couldn't possibly be working because he's uh, every day he shares fifteen or twenty new indie artists and songs. He's a big fan of um, of mine, of Tilly Riddles. He's well, he's collaborating with her, and uh, he's just a great friend of uh, has been a great friend of FMR. But now he has his own show, the Hill Rant Show on Fusion Music Radio, and it is it is the most British thing you've ever heard, and that's that. 
that's a, a big that's a, an acclaim from me so uh, <laughs> do check out the Hill Rand show if you like British humor he's your guy and I do so Hill Rand is awesome and the rest of our shows as well Surge Master Sessions the In Details the Tilly Riddle Show Butterflies and Hurricanes I think we've run that one into the ground so yeah but look, check out Fusion Music Radio shows including the uh, ever popular uh, the newly <laughs> <laughs> Birds of a Feather okay yeah let's move on <laughs> All right, so as I was saying, song number 10 um, is by a band called Last Ceremony, which is a moniker for Keen D. Wren, and the song name is The Templar. Now, uh, Last Ceremony hails from Des Moines, Iowa, and they describe themselves as electronica, gothic, alternative, and dream pop. I love that term, dream pop. I don't know what it means, but I'm so in. Now, this is a soundtrack to a futuristic battle journey or time. There is a fittingly dissonant violin bagpipe that comes in around a minute, and it cries out a plaintive call to the soldiers entangled in the aforementioned battle. It is filled with exotic textures and tempos, all with a chaotic undercurrent. Take a listen to Last Ceremonies, The Templar. So that takes us to our first feature, Almost Famous Fledglings. Now, this feature gives us a glimpse into the musicians before they became famous, and we discuss their contributions to the musical lexicon. David, who are you going to talk about this week? 
Woo, this week. Okay, well, the man, the myth, the legend. What could ever be said about Sir Michael Philip Jagger, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones and other enterprises? And being older, as I never fail to mention, I've had the Rolling Stones with me my entire life, pretty much. So Mick Jagger is a very big deal to me, uh, Keith Richards, the whole band. And But Christina found out some little things here I was not aware of. For example, his before-they-were-famous job... He was a hospital porter in a psychiatric hospital, and uh, he lost his, oh, it says here, this is one of those TMI things, he lost his virginity to, virginity to a nurse in a store cupboard. Well, that that's kind of the, the way the rest of his life was going to go, apparently, <laughs> yes, it was. in store cupboards and on planes and things. And he's, uh, uh, He was born in 1943, so there's somebody who's actually older than I am, age 76 years old, just had heart surgery. And the Stones would be on tour right this minute if it were not for this pandemic. But he just had heart surgery, and he's back and just on fire. You see the videos of him uh, getting ready for the show. He just never, ever stops. He's a health enthusiast, and uh, he can do one, uh, supposedly do one-handed push-ups. I've seen him do some. An amazing... Uh, figure and he's so intelligent and he's like sort of the lead administrator of the Rolling Stones. I didn't know about the hospital porter thing but I do know that he graduated from the London School of Economics and is renowned for his thriftiness and economic acumen in keeping the Stones viable and going and it's uh, mostly his uh, his baby. The Rolling Stones have 30 studio albums, 28 live albums that's quite a ratio there don't you think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 26 compilations, good lord they come out with a new compilation every couple years 37 video albums, I Definitely want to mention that. 64 videos, 3 EPs, and 120 singles. This is a band that has been, I mean, cranking out the hits. That is That has run a parallel track with the Beatles, except they uh, lasted 45 years longer than the Beatles. But they knew the Beatles, and uh, they ran parallel courses. And the Beatles, the Beatles were the good, safe boys. The Rolling Stones were the scary, bad boys. And their songwriting is really just... As, as good, honestly. Since we only have a few minutes, let's focus on some of their singles. 1964, Not Fade Away. It's been recorded by everybody under the sun, including Buddy Holly. Tell Me, It's All Over Now, Time Is On My Side. Beautiful song. They didn't write it, but it's a masterpiece. Heart of Stone, The Last Time, Satisfaction, Get Off My Cloud, 1965. As Tears Go By, 19th Nervous Breakdown, Paint It Black, Mother's, Mother's Little Elpa, 1966, that was. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, Mother's Little Elpa, the way he sings it. Uh, <laughs> 1967, classic, one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard, Ruby Tuesday. Dandelion, another great one. She's a Rainbow from the criminally underappreciated Their Satanic Majesty's Request album, their attempt to copy the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, but it's a, it's a great record, and they hate it. Uh, mm. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, 68. It's uh, one of those bands. If you ever pick up a guitar and play in a garage band, this you're going to play this song. Jumpin' Jack Flash is absolutely mandatory. Uh, Honky Tonk Women, 69. Then the, real, then the Mick Taylor era, Brown Sugar, Wild Horses, Tumbling Dice, Happy, Angie. Fifty for the Devil was actually earlier. Ain't Too Proud to Beg, It's Only Rock and Roll, one of my all-time favorite records. Beast of Burden, the most overplayed song in rock history, right there, Beast of Burden. <laughs> Flip on the radio, and it's probably on right now, you know? Well, that's Stairway but, to Heaven or Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Those three, I think, I don't know. Well, and the ones I don't mind, I never get tired of Light My Fire, and I never get tired of Smoke on the Water, ever. Mm. I mean, I will absolutely shoot myself if I ever hear Lola again. <laughs> or Layla. Or Lola Layla. Or Layla. The L names Lola. are out. We're done with fucking Lola. L names. <laughs> Any 
two-syllable L name about a girl. No, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Intolerable. And I love the Kinks and I love Clapton, but I just can't hack those songs anymore. I did want to point something out that's very notable and laudable about Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. They were early video pioneers before MTV, before 81, before it was just understood that every single had an accompanying video. And, oh, did you see their new song? No, no, no. You don't see songs. You hear songs. But that's the way people think uh, ever since then. Video killed the radio star indeed. But they were real pioneers and trailblazers, and they uh, had a lot of music videos before that time. I remember ones for for Angie for the uh, the Goat's Head Soup album, and that brilliant one where they're inside this uh, bounce house in sailor uniforms and it's filling up with soap suds and the bubbles are filling up this and they're playing it's only rock and roll it's one of the great clips mm. and long before them and uh, Michael Jackson and David Bowie was another one who had brilliant music videos before MTV that really uh, blazed that trail and they're friends and they know each other and they even recorded a song together Mick Jagger's one of his solo works was Dancing in the Street with David Bowie mm. one, of the, one of the most covered songs in history right there but uh, an amazing songwriter and actor and I love that he has a sense of humor. He's done Saturday Night Live, and he was funnier than they've ever been in decades. <laughs> so <laughs> he's one of those legends that doesn't take himself too seriously. He can make fun of himself and laugh at himself like the Traveling Wilburys, and I love him for that. And he's just a magnificent songwriter and uh, one of the great front men of all times. Plays uh, keyboards, guitar, and harmonica with the Rolling Stones. In fact, it was the Rolling Stones that are responsible. Don't hold this against them, but they're responsible for my wanting to join a band and play. So, I mean, mm, wow. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a black mark on their record. Uh, it's kind of an infamy of theirs. But yeah, they did inspire me. I was uh, driving to uh, work with my mum one night, and the radio was playing Street Fighting Man from the album Beggar's Banquet, which is a cl- favorite of mine from back from the early high school days. Um, and just here, it's all acoustic, just acoustic guitars and those harmonies. Oh, they just they just went to my core. It's like, I have to be in a band. I have to learn to play some kind of instrument. I can't just listen to anymore. I have to do something. Uh, and, well, what can a poor boy do except to sing for rock roll band? Those harmonies there are absolutely impeccable. Everybody who loves music should be very well familiar with this man. And if you're not, please check out the great Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. But not just because us old dinosaurs like them it's because the cool kids are playing with them too now they have released videos of performances they've done before a live audience with cheryl crow and taylor swift and lady gaga and amy winehouse so they uh, they are they're hip too so don't just listen to me listen to all your cool friends and check out jagger and the stones if you're not and not just the moves like jagger not just that lame-ass poofy oh, crap oh, from the execrable maroon five oh but, no Oh, oh no! Don't judge him. But that's what's so cool about Mick is he—he he was joking about that. He was on Saturday Night Live, and they were—it uh, was a, like karaoke night, and they were trying to get him to do Rolling Stones. And one of his uh, office uh, mates was going to do—was uh, naming Stone songs, and he said moves like Jagger. And Mick says moves like Jagger is not a Rolling Stone song. And, they're like, duh, I think it is. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so, to have a sense of humor and joke about a completely lame-ass song, which probably embarrassed him to death. <laughs> I just think that's so, I just think that's so cool. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. There's a lot that could more that could be ever. I mean, there are books written about Mick Jagger. 
but um, at the end of the day it's about the music be sure to check out all the Rolling Stones music you possibly can uh, it's all there on Spotify you can just listen to whatever you want on Spotify but if you're really cool you'll buy you'll buy a bunch of the records at least the uh, couple of the 50,000 compilations they have out and all the Mick Taylor era too because uh, their stuff is just timeless immortal and and unfortunately they're the ones who got me into playing I had to go out and get a bass after that and that was the uh, the, the black day in, in music history but uh, don't hold it against the Stones and Mick because they are legends and they knighted him for his services to the artistic community and uh, rightly so I guess well absolutely I think he's an exquisite front man I've just never seen anything like him I mean obviously I've not seen him live which is just devastating but I have certainly seen many many a concert video and just nothing short of exquisite so absolutely thank you for all that information on Rolling Stones I certainly I love the Rolling Stones but I don't know them the way that you know them so thank you very much so now that takes us into song number nine by a band that actually is a repeat performer on Birds of a Feather Uh, we had our friends Pensacola actually submit another song called Won't Be Long and yeah, just, that was that was not lost on me. This cronyism. We'll have to talk about that later. Uh, we'll have to uh, read the bylaws once again. <laughs> but go ahead. There are no real bylaws. There, I didn't pick them. They decided to submit, so they submitted. I did not right. pick them. Um, right. <laughs> God, <laughs> I didn't pick. Actually, I didn't pick anybody on this this countdown. I mean, I didn't. Oh, wow. I, I didn't. So, I didn't so pick you're just an innocent bystander. Yes, right absolutely. I mean, you know, I didn't go out and and ask people <laughs> to submit, and I didn't submit my own songs. You know, so whatever, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No responsibility. Yeah, go ahead. No, I have no responsibility in this shit. All right. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> I'll just shake my egg here. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny? You know what's really funny? You have an egg, and guess what? I do oh, too. No way. I do. We should. Oh, we have to use. Somehow we'll have to work these into the show. I just don't know how. We should. It's just too bad we're not singing anything. I know, but it's funny because I was looking at it earlier and I was like, "Oh, don't shake your egg," and then you start and so I can grab mine too. Yeah, it's just sitting here right in this thing on my desk with my bad Mary pin and my uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my badge buttons, or the British call them badges. I have badges, you know. Badges. Bad farm. I have a good farm badge. Yeah, I gave Bad. it to you. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I got a, a packet of four. So I got Louis Straighten badges. I got six-inch killers badges. I got Bad Mary badges. I got a Bela Lugosi badge. Oh, well, you do you. Oh, very interesting. I do indeed. Okay, yeah. Right. A little aside there. Let's. Um, where were Pensacola? Your yes. your friends who. Uh, it's it's an obvious case of playola. They're paying you to play you on the show. It's yeah. Fine. No, not my friends. Anyway, um, I'd like <laughs> them to be my friends because they're really cool. Payola. Wow. Um, all right. So that takes us to song number nine, David. <laughs> what about what about song number nine? I'm gonna start again. Oh. <clears throat> That takes us to song number nine for a repeat performer, Pensacola. They were uh, on a couple shows ago, and they submitted again, this time, a song called Won't Be Long. Just to remind you, Pensacola is from Leeds, UK. They describe themselves as alt-rock, dream pop. There's that term again. You can find them at Bandcamp at We Are Pensacola. And now this song is certainly more punk than I'm used to from this band, but I really like it. Punk vocals, rock guitar, and a pop melody. It starts with the drone 
and then a sparse build, and then it goes straight into chugging guitars, and about one minute in, it hits its stride. Shortly thereafter, it breaks down to focus on the vocals, and the guitar is its guiding light and those are the two things that shine at the end then there is a screamy belty bridge that pushes the envelope even further until we are treated to a sustained lone note outro i love this song by pensacola won't be long
All right, and we're up to song number eight, The Reed Brothers. Keegan and Kyle Reed, brothers, they're bros that make this wonderful sound. It does remind me of uh, Southern rock a little bit that we dinosaurs grew up with in the 70s, but it does have a new a kind of a rootsy Americana feel to it. Nice guitar work, and it's a real tight, tense little arrangement there. It does, it moves along very rapidly and uh, kind of keeps you on edge. I did love this song from the Reed Brothers, and this one is called Where I Am. Take up too much space Thou'd had all that I can't take Where I am I am selfish Only care about one thing And I hate the way I think Can't say that I'm doing 
website where I am, the Reed Brothers, and you can find them at, well on Facebook at the Reed Brothers, and also on Reverb Nations. But Facebook will probably link to everything, so go check them out on Facebook first. The Reed Brothers from San Antonio, Texas, and uh, in case you come across another one, and um, go to Reverb Nation hear their tune. Yes, well, thank you so much, Reed Brothers, and now on to feature number two, Unnested Flying Solo. Now, in this feature, we focus on the solo artists that flew solo, but were once part of a larger band. Now, we can't talk about people flying solo without talking about... Stevie Nicks. So Stevie Nicks is obviously legendary um, from Fleetwood Mac. Again, legendary band. Um, her breakout single or album, rather, was Belladonna, and she has obviously a great staying staying power. She has eight solo albums. Um, I would say Belladonna and um, also The Wild Heart are probably two of her most famous, but she had many. So 1981 brought us "Stop Dragging My Heart Around" with Tom Petty, "Leather and Lace" with Don Henley, and "Edge of." 17 my gosh huge hits then the wild heart 1983 stand back need i say more and then we go to 1985 a couple years later with rock a little um hits like talk to me i can't wait imperial hotel and has anyone ever written anything for you uh 1989 rooms on fire long way to go whole lot of trouble uh, Street Angel, 1994, Trouble in Shanghai, and In Your Dreams. Um, we had 1994, 2001, and 2011 that didn't really produce a lot of number one hits. But again, if you're a Stevie Nicks fan, you certainly know the songs on those albums. And, you know, one of the things I want to say is just because not every every album has a hit doesn't mean it's not a great album. So even if, you know, you're hearing Street Angel, Trouble in Shanghai, and In Your Dreams did not yield a lot of number ones, they are still great albums. So go listen to them. It's a different Stevie Nicks every time. She continues to evolve, continues to hone her craft. But without... You know, we, well, we can't talk about Stevie Nicks again without hearkening back to Fleetwood Mac. Now, Fleetwood Mac, with and without Stevie Nicks, had some great music. But let's talk about Fleetwood Mac as a whole. So they had 18 studio albums, 9 live albums, 23 compilations, 30 videos, 1 EP, and 62 singles. So that's a lot of music that we continue to enjoy today. So we're just going to focus on those singles again because we just don't have a lot of time. But let's start with 1969 with Oh Well, Parts 1 and 2. And most of the things that I mentioned here are are actually songs that actually charted in the U.S. 1975, Over My Head. 1976, Rhiannon, Say You Love Me, Go Your Own Way. Everyone. I was there. <laughs> yeah? You were there enjoying that? Oh, yes, I was. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many years it was till I, you know, I actually started to hear these songs, obviously, well after they were released, but oh my gosh, they're classic. In 1977, we had Dreams. As you know, David, I sing that song. It's something that we cover in Ascent and something I do at the K-word that I haven't got to do in a long time, known as karaoke. Um... Then we also have Don't Stop, You Make Love and Fun. My gosh, all classics again. 1979, Tusk and Sarah. Ugh. 1980, Think About Me. 1982, Hold Me, Gypsy, Love in Store. And we just keep going. 1987, Big Love, Seven Wonders, Little Lies, Family Man. 88, Everywhere, As Long As You Follow, Save Me. And then 1997, Silver Springs and Landslide. Oh my gosh. So 
and again, I know that there was a, a time that before Stevie Nicks joined the band, but I'm just, if you look at the entire body of work of Fleetwood Mac, it's been incredible. And a bulk of that has been, well, was with Stevie Nicks. Um, so just incredible music. And Stevie Nicks is a force. I mean, I am I'm certainly somebody who not only loves, you know, what she does vocally, but I also love her style and a lot of of what I do from a steampunk perspective or or a little witchy perspective is obviously hearkening back to the things that she wore on stage. She's a huge influence for many people um, and not not just obviously vocally, but also style wise. So Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks. So she is flying solo for many, many years now, obviously, since around 1981 one but they continue to have lots of albums as a band and uh definitely incredible and i've never seen them in concert nor have i seen stevie nicks you david no i haven't actually and uh, fleetwood mac isn't well fleetwood mac even before the classic lineup we're talking about here with lindsey buckingham and uh, stevie nicks uh even before that they had you know uh, peter green they had bob welch they had some amazing uh, musicians i'm not that familiar with that period except for you know an occasional t- tune here and there but once they hit the classic lineup i love this kind of group it's one of my favorite s- sort it's like queen where we have three different songwriters three different vocalists you get such a different range of uh of ideas from them you got you know Lindsey Buckingham writing his own thing, Stevie Nicks, uh, Christine McVie, all with their individual sounds, their voices, their their attitudes, and some of their most outstanding uh, songs were radio and otherwise were Stevie Nicks. In fact, she wrote a song called Landslide, which was covered by of all people, the Smashing Pumpkins and the Dixie Chicks, and was also featured on the television show Glee. And she wrote a hit for Waylon Jennings and Jesse Coulter. Her song Leather and Lace, which was an absolutely gorgeous duet with Don Henley of the Eagles on her first solo album, Belladonna, which I still have on vinyl, by the way, and I was listening to even back in the day. That was a hit for uh, Waylon and Jesse. So she's one of America's absolutely finest songwriters, I think. Stevie Nicks. Oh, Stevie, how we love you. Well, that takes us to song number seven, David, and this is a band you're going to introduce. Oh, yes. Woe is me. No, no, this was great. Uh, Eilish, I believe... It's pronounced Eilish. Yes. Not to be confused with Billy, but uh, Eilish. Uh, from a band from Los Angeles, a rock blues alternative band with two sisters. Here we have another uh, sibling act here. How cool is that? I love this one. This is a, a classic 70s and 80s vibe with real vocals, not that sniveling shit they have today. Uh, and the sound, uh, it, they remind me of the Motels and the Pretenders and Scandal and uh, female-fronted groups like that. Uh, Chrissy Hind, uh, even uh, Patti Smith, sort of. So we have Patti Smith and Patti Smythe there, uh, which is quite a trick. Uh, this is the kind of thing that really appeals to an old school dinosaur like me and if you kids have any taste if you kids know what's good for you you'll be into this too it's a great tune from Alish, I believe it's pronounced called Weep So 
So then that takes us to feature three, sinister or sweet starlings. So for this feature, we determine whether the lyrics are sinister or sweet. And this time we're talking about Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. So this is a tune that I've been rocking since I was, um, you know, younger. And uh, it was a big, big hit in the 80s. And it has interesting lyrics. I remember thinking, oh, Sweet Dreams. Well, that's going to be a really sweet song. Then I heard it and it starts out what seems to be very sweet with Sweet Dreams are made of this. Who am I to disagree? I traveled the world in the seven seas. You know, everyone's looking for something. I get that. That seems really great, right? I'm like, this is good. I'm in. It's very positive. And then it goes to some of them want to use you. Some of them want to get used by you. Some of them want to abuse you. Some want to be abused. And then we go back to sweet dreams are made of this. Who am I to disagree? So my question is, are sweet dreams made of abuse? Or are sweet dreams made of people wanting to be abused? It's a little confusing. So for me, when I'm looking at these lyrics and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it's got a p- potentially deceptive title. Um, it seems like it's going to be positive, but then it takes a turn. So before, you know, when I heard it before um, Marilyn Manson redid the song, I thought, well, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little, it's got a dark side. And then when Marilyn Manson redid it, I thought, holy shit, this is the scariest song I've ever heard in my life. So no, Marilyn Manson would make someone's in the kitchen with Dinah sound uh, scary and dark. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what are they doing to Dinah in the kitchen? <laughs> exactly. I you just could, thought- you could take "You Are My Sunshine." into a nightmare you are my son I can just imagine Marilyn <laughs> yes. Manson you make me happy I mean he's, he's just he could spook up anything he really but, can uh, yeah this is an amazing song and to me it starts out with that throbbing keyboard so uh, dark and, and you know it, it's sort of a, a danger that they want you to find appealing it's a yes. sort of a seductive kind of a thing and um uh, interesting lyric though about do some people's uh, some people's dreams made of being abused. It reminds me of a great Alice Cooper lyric from the Welcome to My Nightmare album. The song called "Some Folks." And he says, "Some folks love to feel pain. Some folks wake up every morning. Some folks live for no reason. Some folks die without a warning." I mean, it's just a great line. It just it, it reminded me of this because the song to me sounds. Uh, kind of dark and kind of cheeky-ish and kind of... However, you found out something about the song that I think neither of us knew. Right. So remember when we talked about Yes back in the... In a, of, I don't know, like uh, seven years oh, ago. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> when we originally did some of our first shows. And I went back and I found out what John Anderson said about the lyrics. Well, I did the same for Annie Lennox. So... What she has to say in her biography about this song is that she says it's mankind's quest to find fulfillment in life. Moreover, she says, in doing so, humankind is motivated by their sweet dreams. So, Annie Lennox actually sees this, I think, as a very positive, like maybe life-affirming sort of a tune. So it's interesting because I felt like it was sort of sinister and sweet, where at the end of the day, the songwriter says, well, it's actually supposed to be pretty sweet. Yeah, and I have to say that as breakout singles go, this was a real coup. Well, they always are. There are bands that just come on strong out of the gate with with an indelible song that nobody can ever forget. Uh, and this is one of those cases. It, it, it's a song that almost defines them, even though whatever directions they may go in. Like this one is a synth, 
heavy, uh, kind of a, a you know dark sound thing. But they do uh, rock and guitar driven rock and roll as well. A great classic hit of theirs called um, "Would I Lie to You." Oh, God, but I love that this song. This is a great breakout single, like. Um, like Dire Straits with Sultans of Swing. I mean, that's the. I mean, when they can, when you come out with something original like that, and this was that fresh, I think, at the time, and uh, we hadn't heard anything quite like this. Amazing song, and it's interesting to hear what Annie Lennox had to say about it. Uh, well, of course, the song impressed people, and the video because it was that time where everything had a video, and there's this amazing-looking woman, <laughs> you know, uh, just this look and this sound that we hadn't heard, and uh, it's was, uh, it was just a. I, and and guess what? I was there. <laughs> you were there. And remember when we were talking about uh, the Eurythmics a little bit during the show prep, I was telling you that that Annie Lennox is a goddess to me. That is what a goddess is. <laughs> Annie Lennox, androgynous. Yeah, I know. She's badass vocalist. She's a badass songwriter. She commands a stage. She's just ridiculous on every possible level. Yeah, she is. Abs- she's absolutely a goddess. Yes, I know. I use the term. I don't use the term that much, but uh, th- this one you volunteered on your own to say. Now that is a goddess right there. And That's I agree right. with you. So. She is. So for me, um, I actually think it's more sinister than sweet. Even though Annie Lennox herself says it's sweet, I find it to be more sinister than sweet. What say you, David? I do, too. Uh, that's kind of what I dig about it. But, yeah, I mean, Marilyn Manson didn't have to touch this one. It was already kind of sinister. But that's what's cool about it. And I have an idea for a future Sinister or Sweet Starlings. And I have yet to find out if the author had anything to say about it. But uh, it is definitely one of those songs that gets a reaction from people. So we'll find out what that is next time. Ooh, looking forward to that. And that leads us, as one does a horse to water, to song number six, a band out of St. Louis, Missouri, called Captain's Courage. They're pop, rock, punk. And so that sounds very promising, and it delivers, too, because I just love this tune from the start. It has a real, very early 80s classic rock vibe, very reminiscent of John Mellencamp musically, uh, with a vocal like from the Babies, like John Waite from the Babies. So it's kind of a Mellencamp, Babies thing, and it's just a blast to listen to. And you can find them on Facebook at Captain's Courageous Music, and on Reverb Nation as well. This is Captain's Courageous with Calling You Out. Mistake as you lie there awake in this bed that you made. So come on. 
All right, so song number five is by a band named J.R. Gray. The song is Deny. Uh, This gentleman hails from Darlington, England. So we're back to the UK again. Love it, because we are international as well. And they describe themselves as singer, songwriter, rock alt Americana. And you can find their music at Facebook, um, rather on Facebook, at J.R. Gray, G-R-A-Y, music. So, admittedly, I loved this track because it felt like Tom Petty meets R.E.M. Now, the melody is certainly all original, but perhaps influenced by those two artists and a great many others. He has such a wonderfully emotive, reassuring, and kind vocal delivery, and it is fitting for this Alt-Americana song about denial. Now, the guitar and the harmonies are perfect accompaniment to this beautiful voice. I listened to a number of other tracks, and they are equally as stirring. I know you're going to enjoy this beautiful track by J.R. Gray.
right, and that brings us to our fourth feature, or if you prefer, feature four, Raven or Nevermore. And in this feature, as you might recall from our previous four episodes, we weigh in on current events and trends in popular music. Is it something we are raving about, or do we want to hear about it? Nevermore. And to this week's Raven or Nevermore topic is the use of backing tracks by artists while performing live. Uh, I guess I'll just tell you right out of the gate. I'm all for that. I think that's fantastic. Um, it's the only way that some artists can play, like me, for example, who don't have a band and am too incompetent to play and sing at the same time, or you just want to be free from your instrument to move around. Backing tracks are the way are inevitable, and they're used even by bands. In fact, we saw the uh, Swansons at the Whiskey A Go Go, and Joe Finley plays guitar and harmonica, and sometime or another you're hearing a second guitar in there and he said yeah there's a there's some backing tracks and uh performance tracks or whatever you want to call them and everything i am all for that not only does it enable artists to get up there and present their music live where they simply couldn't have before but uh it's a but what (laughs) (laughs) but but even bands uh, occasionally you'll come across some superman like bruce baldwin who'll like do the whole damn thing himself live but everybody else is going to need to play recordings and i think that's i'm all for that i do not have an issue with it at all so hey at the end of the day what i ask of entertainment is to entertain me if i'm going to go on and see you live and there's something that i don't see but it's still there entertaining me uh then i'm going to have a good experience and kind of hard to beef with any way you go about getting there if that's the end result you have succeeded in your entertaining me so use backing tracks to fill in for the entire band or to supplement yourself or for any reason at all if the end product is a good time and how do you feel so i am totally raven no question about it and even though as i pointed out you're exempt from such things because of being in a band with uh, an unusually uh, gifted person the what do you feel about this are you on the side of this or do you say never more you know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's very interesting because I uh, I am for it um, in some cases and not in other cases. So allow me to explain, if you will. So I am all for it if it is going to enhance the music. For example, I know, let's say U2, for example, on some of their songs uses a backing track choir, right? So they're playing everything live, but for the choir, they're not going to bring a choir everywhere they go, although they probably could because they're bazillionaires. They instead, you know, have this backing track that they play that plays the choir. For me, that makes perfect sense. I get it. You know, and it enhances the song, and usually it allows them to sound exactly the same as they do on their album, which I like, so that's cool. I also um, appreciate backing tracks for solo artists, like you were saying. So if we have, you know, a big name person um, and they need to have a backing track as accompaniment, and that maybe above and beyond playing a guitar or playing a keyboard, they just want to enhance their performance, I get that. That makes perfect sense. Where it starts to bother me is the Milli Vanilli thing, right? And the lip syncing thing. Um, Because I'm a vocalist and because I work really hard to sing live, I feel like if I'm going to pay a bazillion dollars to go see you live, you should be singing fucking live. Um, That's one of the things that I love about Lady Gaga is, yeah, she is out there singing live every fucking night. And no, you're right. She is not jumping around on stage, although she used to. She would still sing full out and jump around on stage. I still think, you know what, I'd rather you give up the dancing for the actual vocal rather than have the stupid dancing and then have a, a track 
and you're lip syncing to it because then why am I there? I can just sit in my car and listen to the same thing. So that stuff bothers me. Now, when it comes to indie artists, I feel very different. I feel like indie artists need whatever they can get to allow them to perform. And just like you said, people like yourself, and it would be me too, because I don't play an instrument. So if I was going to go solo, or if I did not have Bruce, then I would need a backing track or some other accompaniment to allow me to play. And if I didn't have him, I would definitely want to be able to still perform. So I'm certain that if I could not find another musician or, you know, we weren't clicking, then I would certainly turn to a backing track to allow me to do that. So I'm grateful that it is there as a tool for solo artists, you know, for indie artists. I just don't like that people can lean on it as a crutch or use it to not give the full experience to people who are paying. So I don't know. I am Raven in some ways and Nevermore in other ways, but I'd say I'm probably more like 75-25 in favor of using backing tracks in, except when it comes to lip syncing. That bothers me a lot. So you're mostly Raven, as am I. And the one, the exceptions you mentioned to me... They, that's not I wouldn't sign off on those either I mean outright lip syncing Millie Vanilli first of all were complete impersonators that that's something that would never pay to see nor should anybody knowingly I mean they should have to disclose something like that that was a big scandal but even lip syncing no not really but performance tracks are in use as we discussed once by a lot of artists where it's backing them up but they're really still singing live uh, so every once in a while you get some freaky footage there's a lot of stuff that like that has dogged Justin Bieber and Paul Stanley of Kiss but I don't have a problem with that backing uh, performance track like just a, you know a, a string or something like that um, for even for bands who could afford it I'm surprised I'm surprised Bono doesn't uh, insist that the full <laughs> orchestra be there on every uh, step of leg of the tour right however some bands do tour with orchestras you know right. uh, you figure he'd be like no it must be um <laughs> And what you were saying about less performance, I'd rather see them move less and sing more. I'm totally with you on that one too. Uh, you should never do it. It's kind of like a, kind of like a, an axiom to me. You should never do a dance so difficult that it prevents you from singing. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> dance between lines or something. I mean, if every single move, if every single line has to be accompanied by some choreography, you know, uh, that's not. I don't think it's necessary. That never was necessary. It's just like five strings on a damn bass. It's unnecessary. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I am the proud. Uh, you don't know this about me. This is one of my uh, my greater accolades. I am the uh, proud creator of the Four and No More League. It's a, a, a basically it's a cabal of fanatical bass players who loathe anything with more than four strings because hey if chris squire got by with four strings who needs a fifth come I, on is I there anything that's right chris squire is the bar so i get you i got it you know five six seven strings and everything i see those things and i'm like just burn it and pray for forgiveness okay I and mean, that is <laughs> that is a straight up abomination okay <laughs> As much of an abomination as is lip syncing. If you are a big star and you are going to charge people to hear you and watch you play, don't fucking lip sync. Just don't do it. It's stupid. I would rather you just say, look, I can't actually sing. Just buy my albums. <laughs> you know? Um, what the fuck was I going to say? <laughs> oh, but hey. 
musicians out there, if you, oh, I got to stop rattling the egg. Musicians out there, if you're ever hung up about using backing tracks, just remember, if it's okay for you two, it's okay for you too. <laughs> yes, if you need a choir in a pinch, absolutely use a backing track. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, don't 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 feel bad about that at all. Okay. I mean, if Bono can get away with it, so can you. I agree. Exactly. <laughs> what are you doing? I. <laughs> what you got your egg? There? You got your egg there still? There you go. Okay, join me in time. <laughs> And you know what to do next. Come on. You shaking? Yep. I can't hear you. You shaking? I'm shaking. Everybody say, Who's going to do the verse? I can't because I'm laughing. How could we How could we have talked about Sir Mick Jagger without doing that? I swear. Well, how is it that we both have a fucking shaker right yeah, near that's, us? That's even, that's even more unlikely, I will admit. <laughs> that, you know, not that we didn't think of it, but the fact that we have shakers and with an arm's length right. um, where we're recording the show. Which is really strange. Okay, there goes the boop. Um, what did you say was really strange? No, just the just the egg shaker within proximity is strange, and the fact that yeah. I heard you shake yours, and I was like, "Oh wait, I have one right here." You're like, "Yeah." Once what do upon you mean? a time, there was a show called "Let's Make a Deal," and they would just walk to the, Monty Hall would walk in the audience and ask if you had some bizarre item, uh, random, totally useless thing, and if you had it, you got a prize or something. Well, imagine egg shakers. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> here we both have egg shakers, and we're talking about. Woo, woo. Okay, uh, I, you really you should take, you should have started to sing the verse there. I think. Pleased to meet you. But um, woo, woo. okay. All right, what's next? So, song number four, Adrian Raju. The song is called "All to Myself." Adrian is from Woodstock, New York, and describes herself as a singer songwriter, pop Americana artist and you can find more information about adrian at adrienreju.com so this melody by this female fronted band is fantastically pop and dare i say alternative and rock now these are not descriptors obviously that she uses to describe the music herself but they're certainly fitting it's upbeat it's catchy and is performed in a personal and insistent manner the urgency to have the subject all to herself is clear and the music supporting her the musicians they supply lush pulsating and pop perfection here is all to myself i wanna talk to you but there's too much noise here you're joking they're laughing like I'm invisible Never 
that takes us to feature five, hell yes, or oh, hell no. So for this feature, we consider bands and determine if they are in or out. We also ask you to weigh in. We want to know, of course, what you think. This week, uh, David said, let's do Frank Zappa. So we asked you, do you like him? Do you not like him? Are you in or are you out? And most Birds of a Feather fans and respondents said they love him. A lesser number respect his musicianship and talent, but aren't fans. We had absolutely no Zappa haters. What do you think of that, David? You know, strangely enough, even though I really wanted to see, somehow I knew it was going to be another Alice in Chains thing where I'm the <laughs> I'm on the island all by myself. <laughs> I just knew I was going to be the outlier here, you know, the odd man out. I knew it because everybody loves Frank Zappa. Well, I don't. I think he sucks. I, I just don't get the whole Zappa thing. I, I mean, fan of it. Uh, the one but respect his musicianship yeah i guess he can play but he gets boring i mean he, he can play no question his explorations do get dull after a while and i guess he could write but what did he write? first of all i find his lyrics intolerable it's a, he's very wise to have two albums called shut up and play your guitar because that that is only hope <laughs> but um one thing i do like about him is that he makes me feel better about myself as a singer and a lyricist because <laughs> his lyrics i will say they are worthy of his voice delightful diddy I, i've just never heard a lyric of his that i liked honestly i mean uh watch out where the huskies go don't you eat that yellow snow i don't know i just don't find that amusing at all i'm moving to montana soon by a you know be- become a dental floss tycoon and lyrics like Jewish princess, uh, I want a funky little Jewish princess, a grinder, a bumper with a pre-moistened dumper, and charming <laughs> tunes like, charming, delightful tunes like Broken Hearts Are For Assholes, which starts out as a good pump and hard rocker with Terry Bozio on vocals. And then when it slows down, here comes Zappa with his, uh, with, uh, the song concludes... I'm going to ram it, ram it, ram it, ram it up your poop chute. Don't fool yourself, girl. It's going right up your poop chute. And he goes on <laughs> on and on and on like that for a while. There's the warm and wonderful suicide chump, which goes, uh, you say there ain't no light of shining through the bushes up ahead. We're all going to be so sorry when we find out you are dead. Go on and get it over with then. Find you a bridge and take a jump. Just make sure you do it right the first time, because nothing's worse than a suicide jump. Just <laughs> terrific, heartwarming lyrics. There is a way to be wrong. I mean, just plain wrong and still brilliant and funny, like Louis Drayton does. And there's also dumb but brilliant and funny, like Beavis and Butthead. Mike Judge is a genius. But for my money, Frank Zappa is neither one. And that's the lyrics. Musically speaking, he can compose, but... What he produces is a truly ugly amalgamation of jazz and classical and rock with heaping tablespoons of shit stirred in, replete with obnoxious time signature changes, god-awful lyrics we've already covered. I just, from, to me, he, I just can't dig it. In fact, my, one of my dead friend record collections contained a best-of album called Mother Mania. I couldn't even get through it. His stuff is intolerable to me anymore. I did see him once in concert, and I don't know why. Somebody just called me up at the last minute and said, do you want to go see Zappa? And I was listening to him a little bit back then, and it was really good. It really was. Terry Bozio was playing. It was a terrific concert. But I just can't listen to him on record for some reason. I, I don't know. And occasionally someone compares me to him. When I put out uh, 30 Days Has September, a lot of people were saying, wow, this reminds me 
Dave Zappa. Eh, I know they meant well, you know. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure a lot of really super intelligent people, way smarter than I am, like Frank Zappa. I just find he insults me. Uh, just the quality of his lyrics are just kind of insulting. I'm sorry. But it's not all bad, though. Nobody's all bad. I will give him uh, credit for uh, supporting fledgling artists early on. He had two record labels, Bizarre and Straight. How awesome is that? <laughs> Bizarre. Depending upon the acts. And he signed Alice Cooper, and the band recorded their first two albums on his uh, label. So, I mean, we are forever grateful for that. You know, it's what Abraham Lincoln said. Those who like this sort of thing will find this the sort of thing they like. But I'm just not one of them, that's all. How about you? Well, that was quite something. I really enjoyed that, and I will tell you that I am in the middle. I am, I respect his virtuosity. I respect his uh, love of uh, the freeform improvisation, his experimental uh, music. I also like that he is satirical. I like all of that. Um, so I respect him as a musician. I mean, his virtuosity, I'm just going to say, is just way up there. But for me, the combination of this amazing musicianship coupled with the you know, the satire doesn't always work for me. Now, as soon as I told Bruce that we were doing Zappa, he forced me to listen to some music by Frank Zappa, which did not change my mind. It did remind me of his talent. He was an incredibly talented musician. Again, the combination of satire and his improvisation and the free form and the experimental, while I like all of those things separately, I don't like them in the package that came as Frank Zappa. Um, again, I preach it, sister. <laughs> <laughs> preach it, sister. There you go. I appreciate his musicianship. I do. Very talented guy. Just not for me. There you exactly. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, at the end of the day, do I like what I'm hearing or do I not? In his case, I have better things to do. It's like the de- it's like the kid music. It's like the kid shit today. Zappa is. It's like I'd rather hear nothing. I'd rather hear the memory of the Beatles in my head than that kind of stuff to destroy my brain where I couldn't even uh, I didn't even know what good music was. So it's uh, it's so right. I I totally agree. And it's too much everything. I will say it did spawn a brilliant parody. Weird Al Yankovic has a song. It's like nine minutes long or something based on the idea that, you know, they consider Jer- uh, Jerry Lewis a genius in France, uh, which is the name of the song, Genius in France. And it's obviously a satire of, par- of uh, Zappa, a uh, completely original song, but just in the style of Zappa. It, the tempo is always changing. It's going to these weird spaced out things. I believe Dweezil Zappa even plays on it. So I'm assuming it's not a piss take, although it does appear to make fun of him because it's truly preposterous. But anyway, by the way, he's a good friend uh, of the cast of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, then that makes yeah. him just way too fucking cool for school. I like it. Well, he has like a nine minute song called Albuquerque. And uh, so, of course, you know, Breaking Bad, Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah I just it, since you brought up Breaking Bad, I'm just going to just say uh, best show I've ever seen in my life thus far. So that's it. OK, I feel better. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Clearly, we are. (laughs) Clearly, we are breaking bad fans on this show. So, you know, that's not music related, but very interesting. So, moving along, this next song is. Well, uh, hey. Oh, oh. 
Breaking Bad has well, Breaking Bad has extraordinary music. So uh, we true. it's not indie, so we are not going to play it here. However, uh, Dave Porter writes an absolutely brilliant score for the Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul series, and. Yes. Uh, just in- incredible music that you have to hear. Uh, anyway, he's. Um, c- why are we talking about Breaking Bad? Because it's, we, it's our show. And we'll talk about whatever we want. Right? That's right. Okay. We love Breaking yeah. Bad. Uh, so does the audience. I'll bet they're they're going. Yeah, fuck yeah. They're fuck pumping yeah. their fists at the. They're pumping their fists at the uh, radio right now. Yep. Uh, because, uh, yeah, great music, Dave Porter. Great show. And oh. uh, I was going to say about that, that was really... Oh, that uh, creator Vince Gilligan wanted it to be like a modern-day spaghetti western. And that's the kind of music Dave Porter has created. It's modern, but it's distinctly western-sounding. And it lends, uh, you know, an atmosphere. I mean, it's almost like man-with-no-name shit, Sergio Leone-type stuff uh, in the modern day. Uh, the, the, the one with the train robbery. Holy cow. I mean, you know... <laughs> that was just too much genius. So yeah, Breaking Bad. Uh, so we talked about that because it's entertaining, and that's what we're talking about. Entertainment. And we're fucking entertaining. So there. All right. Uh, so I hope that didn't lead to uh, me introducing anything. It sure does. Song number Damn three. <laughs> Why can't I find anything about song number three, which I'm supposed to be introducing, of a band called Anyone's Guest from Altoona, Florida. Our Florida peeps down there. Uh, always a fun place. We always like to talk about that in the weekend lulls on Butterflies and Hurricanes, don't we, Christina? <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> Florida man, Florida woman, Florida couple, Florida gator. <laughs> they make them really, really interesting there, so I like it. Yes. It's it's a, it's a, it's just a font. You know, Florida <laughs> is just a font of uh, amusement. And now we've got this band, Anyone's Guess, a female-fronted rock trio from Orlando, Florida. Now, get this. They're formed in 2006. I mean, I know that's 14 years ago. But by the time this Reverb Nation blurb was written, 2017, they were just about to release their fifth album. Five albums. I got to hand it to them for that. And they absolutely kick ass. I, I just This song just took me away and I was like, yes, this is the kind of stuff I go out and see live. And damn it, I wish everything would open up so I can get out there and see this kind of shit live because this is the kind of thing you want to see. Fantastic group here, anyone's guess. And the song is called So Long...
All right, so here's the next feature, feature six, if you're counting. I, I don't know that that's accurate. I'm just reading it on the screen. The partridge effect. For this feature, we look at family bands, brothers, sisters, dads, moms. There are a lot of them out there. We've played a couple already on this show, and we were constantly encountering more in the wide world of indie music that we navigate tirelessly for your benefit. And this time we are talking about a uh, quite a family band here, one of the original vocal groups, and not just a vocal group, a band of musicians playing instruments that has been with me my entire life, the Jackson 5. A good choice here, I have to say. Jackson 5 has released 16 studio albums, 3 live albums, 15 compilations, 13 videos, and they were into that early on, mostly performance videos, 2 soundtracks, and 40 singles. Pure gold stuff. And since we only have a few minutes, let's focus on some of those incredible singles of theirs. 1969, I Want You Back. Now, the title is one that does not automatically thrust the song into your head but when you hear it you know this song believe me and this is classic 60s soul with the incomparable bass and uh, just spare musicianship that just absolutely you have to move you simply have to move when you hear this kind of stuff and sing uh, again this was a band tito played guitar jermaine jackson who probably had the most successful solo career of the individual members except for michael obviously uh played bass and they were just great however there's their lead vocalist that we'll get back to. Uh, 1970, they had a slew of hits. ABC, The Love You Save, I'll Be There. Now, come on. Are you not saying to Stop the love you save may be your own. Right? Baby, take it slow. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm there. Come and take it slow. Someday you'll be all alone. Oh, man. And there was Michael with this incredible voice and, of course, the incredible moves. And at the time, we didn't know, and he wasn't writing the ingenious songs that he would go on to write uh, and <laughs> impact our lives and be with us forever. But uh, he was one hell of a lead singer even before his voice matured, uh, as evidenced on these 1970 hits. And Never Can Say Goodbye, Maybe Tomorrow, Sugar Daddy, 72, Little Bitty Pretty One. That's a, that's a classic, but I don't know it from them. Looking Through the Windows, Corner of the Sky. Oh, Get It Together, Dancing Machine, 1974. Oh, my goodness. Tell me you are not shaking your body down to the ground at the very mention of that song, if you've ever heard it, that is. Blame it on the boogie. And yes, 79, Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. Uh, and 84, remember the last thing stuff they ever did together, uh, Torture and State of Shock. And uh, poor Michael set his head on fire recording that. And um, uh, they, Paula Abdul was the choreographer on that video, Torture. So uh, fantastic work. And Dave, growing up with my older siblings, we listened to the Jackson 5 all the time. And they had a TV show. They had cartoon TV show, as everyone did in those days. And the Christmas album. Good Lord in heaven, the Christmas album was uh, just an absolute staple in our house. So yeah, J5, I love them to death. And of course, we have a couple of other members of the Jackson family who are quite well known, who were not part of the Jackson 5, like little Janet, who would go on to be a recording artist you might have heard of. So there's more in that family. And uh, LaToya, who 
did some uh, singing, but Jan's a major superstar. So, yeah, the Jackson family. Uh, now, there's a family with the major case of the Partridge effect. Uh, what do you say about the J5? Christina, well, you were a little young <laughs> to have experienced them in your youth, but uh, it's never too late. So what's your take on the J5? Well, I will say that um, I was introduced to them again by having the ear to the door of my brother's bedroom or my mom while she was listening to her 45s. And that's how I came to know anything about the Jackson 5 uh, from the early days. Of course, I was a huge fan of Dancing Machine and Blame It on the Boogie and all of that. And, and I still love Can You Feel It? Still, that song absolutely moves me and torture um, all of those so more of the later tunes I was familiar with but I was introduced pretty young um, by my family and absolutely loved them but I will say I am a Michael Jackson fan from way back and I know I've told you this story before and I'll probably end up telling it again on this show because I will not remember I've said it now Um, but he was my first poster on my wall he was the guy I was going to marry seriously did not happen uh, Bruce would be pretty oh, pissed. Oh, yes. Yeah. He was. In fact, yeah, you, you, uh, we did um, remember his the hologram thing, the Raven or Nevermore about holograms. He did come up, of course, because as he always should. This is Michael we're talking about. Michael Jackson. Yeah, absolutely a huge inspiration, um, I think, to both of us. I mean, we are super huge Michael Jackson fans. Um, so absolutely uh a, a, you know, Jackson 5, as far as I'm concerned, are kind of like the quintessential family band to me because they are the ones that I actually know. You know, you've got the, the Germain, you've got the Tito, you've got all of that. I'm like, hey, I actually know who those people are. So absolutely Jackson 5, incredible. And obviously it, it yielded uh, an incredible career for Michael Jackson and uh, music, like you said, that I will never forget and has affected me and will affect me for the rest of my life. So Jackson 5, hell yes. Michael Jackson, hell yes. Even though that's not that segment, I am all in. Yeah, and this is one of those cases that you don't always see where, you know, it's, you know how everybody's all, the singer, the singer. It's me. I'm more concerned about whose song it is, and I like it when the singer is the writer and all that stuff. And singers are often singled out and idolized, and really the bulk of the talent behind them changes. It's just they happen to be able to sing. Michael is not one of those cases. When the, After the Jackson 5, he proved himself to be a absolutely world-class songwriter deserving of much greater fame than the rest of uh, than the rest of the family because he had just the an abundance of uh, greater talent so michael went on to become bigger and it's not a case of i'm sorry i'm going to step on people's toes here but it's not an ozzy osbourne case where basically he's just eh, you know he's he, his career is kind of predicated on the awesome musicians that he worked with like tony iomi and geezer butler and all them and uh i i don't think he's it's not a michael jackson case where you go solo and suddenly you're the big deal but michael had the goods and he fused funk and r&b and rock in ways that we had not been accustomed to and uh, his his sound is entirely his own of course in the film this is it we learned what an ingenious visionary he was when it came to uh, live stage productions and got to see what would have been the greatest show in history under his personal direction and i was so impressed with that did i weep did i get verklempt I'll uh, I'll let you guess, but uh, yeah, so incredible family that produced all of those of the J5 and Janet, and uh, that is, it's a musical dynasty, like you said, that is the preeminent musical family that really ought to come to mind when you think about music in uh, anybody who's really got the partridge effect. 
Absolutely. So thank you for that. I'm so glad that we had our uh, resident expert on the Jackson Oops. 5. Oh. You're so glad about something I can't hear. <laughs> Am I back? What were you so glad about that I couldn't hear you? I hope you're back. I was so glad. I want you back. <laughs> I want you back. <laughs> Are you back? I want you back. A little sound trouble here, folks. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we're just yeah. going to let it end there. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly an expert. Uh, you are an expert. All right, and now... So we are getting close to the end of our countdown, the top of the heap. We are at song number two. The band is called Dead Money with a song called Learning Curve. They are from Las Vegas, Nevada. They are soul and rock. You can find them on Instagram at deadmoneylv. So this is a female-fronted band. The song leads with soul and a bit of funk from moment one the vocal styling is reminiscent of the late great michael jackson she is fierce as fuck her voice breaks and it gives me life she is certainly the star of the show she does tasteful runs that would make any soul singer jealous who's playing that rock soul funk guitar that's right she is she is amply supported by a rhythm section that simply nails the groove listen to learning curve by dead money Nobody's perfect But how many times do I have to be wrong? 
love you save my me oh yeah. oh there you go baby take it yeah. slow oh i love that song do not keep that fucking stuff in don't do it i'm telling you love you save me be oh okay all right oh. <clears throat> okay what's up Come on, you know you want to do it. Stop the love you save me be your own. Don't be a don't be a buzzkill. Christina's a buzzkill. She wants me to cut. Lucky <laughs> <laughs> wet blanket wants me to cut the egg shaking singing parts. I'm sure they want to. Get that. I mean, <laughs> you think everybody is doing that? That's something we just came up with. This know? is unique. This situation. Yeah, this is unique. Yeah. Now that brings us to song number one. Does it not? It does. Awesome, and I love this. And I'm assuming that the name is pronounced Maka Polly. Maka Polly. Anyway, fantastic act from New York, New York. Alternative rock. And it is said of this lady that she possesses a voice that flows like good whiskey and a frankness that makes Alanis Morissette look shy. Both sexy and wicked with just the right touch of irony. And you have to take this awesome music with a grain of salt because Maka Polly says herself, my songs are like the actions that I can't really take. She assures us she really doesn't want to kill a man, or in this case, steal a husband. So when she sings, I want to wreck your home, I want to get your husband alone, she doesn't mean it. <laughs> don't, <laughs> lo- don't loathe yourself for enjoying this fantastic tune. It's just those things that flit through the minds of most people, and they say, well, hell, I'm going to write this down, because it's just a theater anyway, and, and I groove on that kind of thing. Uh, just say whack shit that you'd never say in real life. Uh, un- it's scary when there's people out there who, like author Stephen King, said he does it to keep the alligators fed. This is why Stephen King explains Again, a little tangent related to entertainment. Why Stephen King explains he writes to keep the gators fed. Uh, he would be doing terrible things in real life if he didn't, if he didn't write down terrible things happening in his books. Just like uh, somebody, I think it was from Slipknot, said, if I wasn't in a band, I'd be out killing people. Or something oh, like that. <laughs> Great. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. So it makes you want to buy their records just to be sure their career doesn't flop and then they don't resort to plan B, which is killing people. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing they're, it's a good thing they're successful. Uh, but anyway, back to Mika Pauly. She is wonderful, and she doesn't really want to do it. Those nasty, wicked, evil things. Just wants to make beautiful music, and she has indeed, and you're going to love this song, Wreck.
All right, make Polly and Wreck, and you can find her at Mika.com. That's her own website, M-E-I-K-A.com. And Mika Polly on Facebook and Reverb Nation, where you can hear that and other wonderful songs. And finally, I get to take this albatross mic off my neck and hand the next segment over to you, which is introducing our next theme. Absolutely. So, you know, we're sticking with the Freebird theme for a little bit longer, but we are starting to narrow the focus. So we're going to do Freebird, which means, you know, any song, any genre, but it has to be acoustic. So Freebird Acoustic. So send us your most heartfelt, beautiful, or completely and totally sinister, crazy acoustic tunes. We actually have received a couple of them for this last show, but I saved them up so that we could use them for the acoustic show because they are beautiful little acoustic tunes. So that is our Freebird for this particular week, Acoustic. Ooh, and I know immediately springing to mind uh, several artists that I know and have played many times on Butterflies who I won't mention them because we don't do that here. We don't pick songs here. We don't accept gratuities here. <laughs> we don't. We, don't <laughs> we just play what you send. So I won't mention these artists by name, but they work predominantly acoustically and to great effect. So looking forward to see what comes out of the woodwork on this one. Well, I am certainly looking forward to all of those amazing artists submitting their beautiful songs to us so that we can play them. So hopefully we'll get the word out and they will come in droves providing their beautiful music forth. So guess what? We are at Parting is Such Sweet Sorrow. And there's homework. We always like to leave you with a little bit of homework because, you know, again, we're not going to do all the work in this relationship. We just aren't. So we require submissions and we require you to do a little bit of opinion giving. And in this case, we are saying, what about you two? Are you boy to rattle and hum? Are you octung baby to songs of innocence? Are you both? Or are you none? Now, the reason I separated it from Boy to Rattle and Hum is that there's there's a certain, you know, number of people, many, many fans that fall into this is what real U2 is. And then Octung Baby to Songs of Innocence is, you know, the new U2 fan. And sometimes those are merged. For me, I love all of U2's entire body of work. I They are my favorite band. I'm just going to go right out and say that. So I love their entire body of work. Some people um, want nothing to do with you two and wouldn't even accept that darn free download. <laughs> it caused nightmares everywhere. A band giving you free music. Who knew that that would absolutely throw people and they would just be throwing fits and tizzies for years to come. But we want to know, hell yes or hell no on you two. And is it their whole body of work? Is it one? Are you in one faction or another? Is it both? Or are you not into you two at all? So that brings us to Parting is Such Sweet Sorrow. So it is the part of the show where we give you homework. Again, we have mentioned in our first show, and we've stayed true to it, we are not going to do all the work in this relationship. We assign homework every show, and we require submissions. So your homework for this week is, again, our Hell Yes or Oh Hell No segment of deciding whether or not you're in or out. And the band this time is you too. Now, typically, when we're talking about U2, there are two factions. One, boy to rattle and hum. And then faction two 
is Octane Baby to Songs of Innocence. So, are you one or the other? Do you like their entire body of work, or are you just anti-U2? Were you one of the people that got super pissed when they loaded their free album on your iPad? Where do you fall? Hell yes or hell no? U2, Faction 1 or Faction 2, both or none? We will find out on the next show, David. And that leads us to the wrap-up. All right, let's wrap this puppy up, shall we? Okay. Next Birds of a Feather show air date, April 11th and ever after. Streaming where? Can you hear this? You can hear this on iTunes. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Spreaker, FusionMusicRadio.net, Spotify, maybe, maybe not. But how many times, how many places do you have to go to listen to us? you got to have one of those things. If you're listening to this, you have access to all those things. So uh, Spreaker's good. Apple, we like Apple. We like to you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. We're proud to be there. So anyway, you can also listen to, in details, the Tilly Riddle Show, the Hill Rant Show, Butterflies and Hurricanes Shock and Awe, a, a re- limited rerun series from a few years ago, back when I first started at Fusion Music Radio. You can also hear, if you're really, really desperate, I mean, you're quarantined, but you're not going to get that damn desperate. But if you do, you can listen to The Soup Kitchen. Uh, only two episodes of that, but they seem to go on for eternity. And Audrey's Mixtape Show, Prudence's Mixtape Show, The Surge Master Session. There's quite a bit of antidote there at FusionMusicRadio.net for Cabin Fever and the Quarantine Blues. So, lock it into Fusion Music Radio one way or another other by hook or by crook yank off the knob throw away the dial and just let us take you on a ride and i think that only leaves one thing which is for you to say let's get the flock out of here after the big long breath and i do appreciate the uh, the inhale that uh, that that definitely lads lends gravitas to the whole thing so yes sorry and you say <laughs> don't forget the inhale now now they gotta have the inhale Let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.